Welcome to Manufacturing Talk Radio, your source for breaking news, business trends, and economic forecasts here and abroad that impact one-third of America's economy. And now your hosts, Lou Weiss and Tim Grady. Welcome everyone to Manufacturing Talk Radio. We are speaking with Norbert Orr today. Norbert is a contributor to our broadcast, and he talks about the 18 business surveys that he follows around the world, as well as some regional ones that he follows in the U.S. Lou, what regional ones do you think you want to talk with Norbert about? I know you follow a couple of those with Norbert. Well, I, I love Chicago, and I love their numbers. That uh, I don't want to take away any of Norbert's thunder, so I'll just not speak numbers. But they're, it's really quite high. And uh, also Texas. Love Texas. Uh, a lot of oil and gas. And those gas prices, I have no problem paying $60, $70 a, uh, a, a gallon or a barrel or whatever the hell he sells. A barrel, I hope. Uh, a gallon. Quite a yeah, matter. <laughs> yeah, right. So I, I, got a, I do have a couple of favorites, uh, and I'm sure that, uh, Norbert, you're going to be talking about them, right? Absolutely. Why don't we talk about? Yeah, why don't we talk about the regionals first, and then we can deal with the rest of the world. Okay. This way, and, all our and, this way, all the, our domestic listeners uh, uh, can get a good feed on what's going. Okay. Uh, let's look at kind of the domestic surveys that are uh, of, of interest to us. Uh, obviously, the ISM manufacturing and non-manufacturing. We'll get to those. Uh, right. Let's look at the regional surveys, uh, starting with Chicago. Uh, a very aggressive number coming out of Chicago this month, uh, with a reading above 65 uh, at 61.9. It's down from 65, but still a, a very strong reading. Uh, and that area has uh, been in a very strong recovery for a, a, a lot of months. Uh, the Chicago survey itself is a, a little difficult to uh, quite put your finger on because they combine uh, manufacturing 65% and services 35%. Uh, but you have to assume that the services sector is typically dragging down the manufacturing uh, side of it uh, because uh, services are not as volatile and uh, don't change as much as manufacturing does. Uh, while we're in the Midwest, uh, one of my favorites is the Milwaukee survey. And, uh, again, Milwaukee had an a unbelievable month. Uh, the index was at 75. Uh, Whoa! And, Whoa! Uh, I, I always use Milwaukee as a proxy for what's happening with durable goods. Uh, Milwaukee has a, a huge uh, infrastructure of durable goods companies. Uh, uh, Harley-Davidson would be an example. Uh, and so the, the manufacturers that supply parts, et cetera, to those major durable goods manufacturers uh, do well when the economy is, uh, you know, we have the incentives toward capital investment right now that we haven't had in quite some time. Uh, and the durable goods uh, in industries are uh, all doing well. Uh, trucks uh, or transportation, which is airplanes, 
uh, over-the-road trucks, rail cars, uh, and components uh, are all very, very strong right now and uh, uh, tending to, to to back up a little bit in terms of their uh, supply chains. Uh, you mentioned Texas, Lou, and uh, yeah. it, it really is a Texas survey. You have to think about Dallas in one vein uh, is a lot of uh, varying manufacturing in the area, whereas Houston is tied primarily to the oil industry and uh, gas industry and, and what's going on and providing hard goods uh, for oil and gas uh, operations. So uh, uh, Dallas uh, or the Texas survey this month was at 58.5. Uh, right. so, uh, that has recovered, uh, uh, you know, after Harvey went through and uh, wreaked havoc on the, the whole area, particularly the Houston area, uh, uh, the Texas survey has come back very strong. Uh, they've gotten past um, many of their problems. They still have a lot of issues, I'm sure, uh, but they seem to be managing through that. We don't hear a lot of uh, complaints coming out of uh, out of that area. Uh, but the, by the way, before you before you go uh, for just one moment, uh, as part of as far as the durable good items are concerned, uh, Guinness Book of Records just came out with uh, Boeing as the number one aircraft manufacturer and has broken all records of any aircraft manufacturer building as many planes as they have. So for those of you who are listening who are in the aerospace business, you must be just loving it. <laughs> well, and that, that spreads a lot of, uh, uh, of opportunity around in, in the Boeing supply chain. Uh, they've sure. got significant uh number of suppliers uh there is a western washington survey that i don't talk a great deal about because um it comes out later uh, later than uh than being newsworthy and it, it comes out around the 10th of the month and so it's past the the initial information for the month uh, but that survey is up at 65. I always refer to that as the Boeing survey because it uh, <laughs> uh, everything in the Northwest is as big as Boeing is and pervasive as Boeing is. Uh, everything ultimately winds up um, somewhere in Boeing's supply chain, it seems like, compared to the rest of the country. There are some other manufacturing operations, but Boeing... Uh, and if you ask people uh, off the street uh, who is the largest exporting uh, industry, uh, they uh, probably would uh, would not in, uh, think in terms of aircraft. But you know, it's not only Boeing; it's uh, private aviation in Wichita, it's uh, uh, general aviation in Savannah, it's. Uh, uh, av- uh, uh, private aviation in uh, Alabama and uh, that area. Uh, so the per- uh, airline industry uh, or aircraft industries are very important to our, our overall growth uh, in uh, the U.S. economy. 
except for those people who make pillows for the aircraft. They're virtually out of business. <laughs> uh, yeah. When, when, and when, go when ahead. was the last time you saw a pillow on an airplane? <laughs> oh, well, uh, they decided they, uh, uh, they that was a, a luxury they didn't have to provide anymore. Uh, right. There are a few on there, particularly on the longer flights, I've found. So mm-hmm. uh, they mm-hmm. haven't given it up to the degree that uh, they, they once indicated they probably would. Uh, mm-hmm. So uh, they, everything, could, all of these would. regional surveys are all telling the same story, and that's, uh, significant growth uh, in new orders, significant growth in production. Uh, employment is up significantly. Uh, lead times are extending, which is a good indication of demand. Uh, and uh, they're behind on inventories. Uh, uh, probably most of the inventory problems are in the tech sector. Uh, where all of the various and sundry capacitors, et cetera, that uh, uh, are needed in the tech sector are um, uh, maybe not in quite short supply, but uh, certainly uh, some concern about uh, availability, particularly going forward if things ramp up from where we are right now. Uh, Norbert, just a curiosity, all of the reports are showing above 50. You don't have anybody below the contracting line of 50 in either weakening or strengthening. How long has it been since you've seen that? Uh, well, we've had a couple of months of that, uh, Tim, and uh, it's kind of amazing. Now, one of the Chinese surveys fell to 50.3, so that was the lowest uh but as you know, the scattergram that we do uh, indicates uh, where where everybody stands. And of the 18 that we have, all of them are above that. Uh, the only two close are uh, uh, CFLP, which is the China Federation of Logistics and Purchasing, and South Korea. Both of those are at 50.3. Uh, but uh, they contend that uh, in China that 50.3 may be equal to 6% growth in GDP. So uh, it, even even the numbers that look weak are fairly strong. Right. I don't know if I don't yeah, know if, now, if now, China. Uh, I don't know if down. China agrees with a 6% GDP is good, considering they were in the 12 to 14 range back two years ago. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Uh, one of the things that's taking place right now, and again, this is uh, uh, why we love the scattergram, and, and I believe you guys have uh, uh, come to be believers also. Uh, if we look at the 18 surveys in January, all 18 were above 50, as you mentioned. Um, in February, they all were above 50. But we, what we see between the change in January and February, uh, the, those that were expanding and strengthening in January, there was eight. That dropped to five in February, whereas expanding and weakening is 10 in January, and it 
went to 13 in February. So what we're seeing is a top that uh, we have a little shift. Uh, it's still positive, but it's not as strong as it was. Those that are uh, expanding and, and uh, strengthening uh, the numbers down for those, and that's usually an indication that we're hitting a peak, in the sh at least in the short term in the cycle. So February okay. was a good month, but uh, February is also signaling uh, that maybe we topped out in January in terms of intensity. Well, we'll have to see when we come back from commercial break, Norbert, we're going to be talking with you about some of the global surveys that you follow. I just want to remind our listeners, if you are a manufacturer and you want to get for free the two reports that this fine company, Strategus, puts out, you can send an email to N-O-R-E at strategusrp.com. That's S-T-R-A-T-E-G-A-S. N-O-R-E at strategusrp.com, and you can get these surveys for free, and we will be right back after Manufacturing this. Manufacturing Talk Radio will be right back. How do you keep your business humming? Where do you go when you're looking for quality suppliers of new equipment? Components, MRO supplies, repair services, or even raw materials. 30 years ago, you would have turned to the Thomas Register. Today, those big green books are better than ever at thomasnet.com, industry's leading platform for product sourcing and supplier discovery. You can easily find that local machine shop, national distributor, OEM, or any supplier having the right quality certification. Fast and free. You can even get to specific products, components, or downloadable 3D CAD drawings simply by entering specifications or part numbers. There's a reason thomasnet.com has become the go-to supplier discovery tool for procurement professionals and engineers. There's simply no other resource like it, and it's all free. Go to thomasnet.com today and see how top-notch supplier discovery doesn't have to put a dent into your bottom line. Welcome back to Manufacturing Talk Radio. And welcome back. We're speaking with Norbert Orr, who is the Director for Industry Surveys for Strategus Research Partners, also a uh, contributor to MBC, which hosts the Manufacturing Talk Radio show that we are on. Lou, why don't you jump in with Norbert on all of the global surveys that are always fascinating. Norbert, what have you got on uh, our global survey? Well, uh, the story remains uh, very similar to, to what's going on in the U.S. Uh, there's tremendous strength. If we look at, uh, kind of break it down into, uh, first we ought to talk about China because we've already mentioned that already. Uh, both China surveys are uh, in the low 50s. They have been. Uh, the CFLP survey has very little variability, which makes me wonder about it. Uh, but they have a huge sample, and uh, uh, they contend that that's a 6% growth in GDP. The other survey is the Kaishen survey, which includes multinationals. It has more variability, but it really, if you uh, track the two surveys over time, they really support each other. The uh, correlation between the two is pretty strong. Uh, and, and again, anytime you have low variability, you're going to uh, probably have that situation. Uh, another survey that we follow is India. 
Uh, it slowed modestly, uh, but had its seventh consecutive month of growth. Uh, they're trying to do things in India to improve the overall economy. Uh, to take, uh, they, they've had a lot of problems with corruption. Uh, they have problems with people not wanting to pay taxes. Uh, I can't imagine that. But uh, yeah, really. <laughs> uh, they say they they don't want to pay the taxes and so on. But uh, and. In many ways, uh, India is uh, one step forward and a half step backwards uh, uh, in most of the things that they're doing. Uh, The U.K. continues to impress me. Uh, We're now 18 months, I believe, post-Brexit, and uh, the PMI has averaged uh, just above 55 for that 18-month period. So... uh, they may have uh, uh, some challenges uh, overall in the U.K., but it doesn't appear that Brexit has been a major uh, challenge for them. Uh, one of the things, one of the reasons the PMI has stayed up is because uh, the U.K. has dramatically increased its imports or its exports uh, during this period. And uh, uh, by a uh, moving away from the EU, uh, they're able to export more products and, and make some new trade deals that, uh, well, you know, are definitely in their favor. Speaking of trade deals, uh, it's certainly a timely uh, topic. Uh, I, I think uh, what, what I see going on, particularly with what the administration is doing, uh, but it's also pervasive elsewhere in the Euro- in Europe and uh, Asia, and that is that uh, people put trade deals in place and then they they think they set them and forget them. And uh, trade deserves more attention than that, and more change, uh, and uh, you know change in market conditions. Look at how markets have changed in the last 20 years. And we're still relying on deals made in the 80s uh, about trade and so on. And, and so you, uh, uh, it's not, not a laughing matter, but you can trade yourself out of business or uh, fail to trade yourself into business uh, when it comes to these things. So uh, I, I think this is all positive ultimately. Uh, it's it's going to have short-term some uh, – some uh, wounds associated with it, but uh, uh, once uh, once we get through uh, a couple rounds of negotiations, I think we'll see that uh, things are probably much better off because of the well, trade deals. Well, more specifically, uh, Norbert, what's your thoughts about the uh, steel tariffs that uh, and and the guidelines behind the decision? that uh, was put into place. How do you feel that's going to affect, uh, you know, the going forward? Well, I think, uh, you know, they couldn't come out and announce that they were going to put tariffs on everything that we buy. Uh, So they had to pick kind of a worst-case scenario. And you guys are in the business uh, that uh, allows you to really understand you know, as we saw all of these nations developing, countries like Indonesia and Vietnam, and 
uh, and many other developing nations, every one of them wanted to have a steel mill because they felt it was basic. And so, uh, and the Chinese wanted to have a lot of steel mills. And so uh, we have a huge amount of excess capacity, uh, particularly when you combine that desire for expansion and and, uh, having their own capacity. You combine that with the the changes in technology that are making things more productive. Uh, One of the companies uh, that has a a mill in Cleveland uh, used to have something like 12,000 employees in that mill. Now they're down to 900 employees in this mill mm-hmm. and generating much bigger production numbers than they were before. So uh, that, that's that been an issue also. And, and uh, uh, you can paint a bleak picture of the steel industry if you want, but you look at companies like Nucor uh, that have uh, figured out where the niches are and how to compete domestically. So uh, again, I think they uh, uh, steel and aluminum. Uh, aluminum, uh, you can certainly make a, uh, a case for aircraft quality aluminum, and why we would want to maintain a supply chain that uh, can provide that. Uh, the steel is, uh, you know, a bulk commodity that uh, ultimately I think we can make here at uh, competitive prices if we. Uh, if we have the volumes that it takes to, in order to be efficient at running the mills. One of the things that, uh, you know, in studying how this decision came about and who's exporting what into the United States in terms of uh, steel and flat roll product and coil and so on for like the automotive and appliance industries and a couple of others, Considering that China only represents less than 2% of the total imports into this country, and Mr. Uh, Trump uh, was really targeting China, but meanwhile he zapped Canada and Mexico at 25% uh, import into this country, it just seemed like nobody was uh, thinking this out thoroughly. Do you have any thoughts on that? Uh, yeah, it, it, I think we have two choices. Nobody's thinking it out thoroughly, or else somebody is, th- is thinking it out thoroughly. <laughs> and, and, the re- and the rest of us don't really have all of the uh, all of the information. Again, I, I think uh, uh, the whole point of this was to pick something that was visible, something that uh, uh, something that makes people vote. Uh, and that uh, in the steel belt and, and rust belt, uh, and the president needs votes, and th- th- that was certainly one of the, the more visible things. I, actually, I, I, as I understand it, uh, we import a lot more steel from Canada and Brazil than we do from China. Uh, yes, we build our number two supplier, and uh, we import a lot from. Russia, I was just looking at, and Lou and I were looking at steel imports, I was looking at how did our steel industry go to its knees and Nucor rise from the ashes? And it turns out that Nucor built a lot of mini mills, as you said, Norbert, they found out where the the niches are and they uh, found the most efficient ways of production and they took out a lot of labor and put in a lot of technology. And I think the uh, thought is in the mighty Midwest that if the mills come back, the union labor comes back and 
I'm afraid that's not going to be true. As you just said, they have got that one mill that went from 12,000 to 900 employees. I think the mini mills, the very efficient mini mills, new technology, the iPads running the everything from the overhead cranes to the material handlers and the uh, lifting tables and the, the uh, abrasive cutters. There's just not going to be a lot of labor in these new steel plants. Right. Norbert? And, yes. I, 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 well, I agree completely, and I think uh, if you uh, study Nucor's methodology and so on, they had it right, uh, you know, uh, when I started in the uh, procurement and supply chain work and so on, uh, the feeling was if you if you, if if steel wasn't made in Pittsburgh, it wasn't worth doing. And uh, they had uh, the big mills and and had to have everything there. They had no decentralization, and you know Newcor came in with a highly decentralized company. Uh, they put each mill in and said, okay, you got to make money and you got to be competitive. Uh, and they were able to do that and, and do it well. And there's a couple, Steel Dynamics, I think, is another one. There's a number of other producers that uh, are uh, are successful in that. You might both remember going back to the 80s when this our steel industry was falling apart and the mills were old and decrepit and they were not running efficiently, so they started shutting them down because they weren't making money. And then the Chinese came over here and said, oh, we'll buy that, and we sold them the steel mills. They took them apart. They put them in boxes and shipped them back to China. And that's where they started really getting the expansion of having a lot of steel mills. They're all ours. And somehow they managed to get them to operate efficiently, at, at least in the U.N. Uh, world. Right. Yeah, I think that those are the mills they're shutting down today because they're old blast yeah. furnace yeah. polluting mills. But, but you're right. That's how, that's how they started the steel years industry. Ago. Yep. That was 40 that's years right. ago. Well, Norbert, I'm curious. Uh, Brazil seems to be coming back to life. Uh, How is it doing politically? That's a good question. Uh, it is. <laughs> the numbers say it's coming back to life. Uh, I don't know uh, that things have changed. Uh, Brazil has long had a propensity to. Uh, uh, create its own problems um, through their political processes and so on, and uh, they may have a short period of recovery, but uh, uh, I, I think there's so many things that need to change that, uh, that they can't uh, they can't change that. Uh, uh, you know, uh, I always uh, always tell my children a lot of people are willing to change their circumstances, but they're not willing to change themselves. And I would certainly put Brazil in that category that uh, they want to change their circumstances, but they don't want to make any real changes internally that allow them long-term to do that. Right, right. Lou, anything else you want to throw at Norbert before we wrap up this segment on global surveys? Well, we probably um, ought to talk for two seconds about the, the uh, ISM data and uh where it's going, uh, it's very, very strong. 
when I look at uh, the data uh, of the 18 surveys, and certainly the U.S. is leading that those numbers, uh, or close to the leader in, in, in those numbers, uh, what I see is right now the soft data, things like the ISM surveys, things like consumer sentiment, uh, uh, the, uh, the small business survey, you know, uh, uh, National Federation of Independent Businesses, the softer data is very, very positive and uh, looks to remain positive for quite some time to come. The hard data is probably not uh, not going to follow it quite as well. Soft data is what business uses to make decisions if they're really uh, uh, staying up with these things. The hard data is what policymakers rely on, uh, and it'll be interesting to see how the first quarter GDP comes out. Uh, it looks like it may not be uh, as good on the hard data as it is on the soft data. Uh, and eventually those two kind of uh, catch up with each other. But right now, uh, uh, business is in a very optimistic mood. There's investment taking place. There's expansion taking place. Uh, there's new products taking place. There's technology changes. All of those things are moving in the right direction and look to me that they will continue to do that based on what the soft data is telling us. Well, at least it's going in the right direction and staying strong. And, uh, you know, we feel it uh, here at All Metals and Forge Group. Business has been really rather robust. Uh, it's certainly a far, far cry from 2008, 9, 10, 11, 12. Uh, things have gotten significantly better. And uh, it's, uh, it's feeling great. It's feeling great. Now, if you would predict that it's going to continue until 2020, I'd re you'd really make my day. <laughs> uh, I, I wish we could see uh, more than just a couple of months ahead. Uh, it would be helpful. Sure. But uh, right now, even seeing a couple of months with all of the turmoil that we, we see and so on, I, I do think uh, bringing Larry Kudlow into the mix will will be a real positive uh, and, uh, as a chief economist. Uh, uh, Larry is a very uh, uh, he's a conservative based on conviction that free markets are the best way to go, and uh, so he'll be fighting for that uh, uh, concept uh, at every turn. <laughs> I, I I hate to think of all the turns that could possibly come up, but you're right. I I agree with you. He could be a good man in the White House. Well, Norbert, we certainly appreciate you joining us again on Manufacturing Talk Radio for your surveys. Thank you for being with us. My pleasure, as always. And we'll right, be we'll talking talk to you next month. Yes, indeed. Uh, that was Norbert Orr, Director of Industry Surveys for Strategus Research Partners. Again, if you want to get these two reports that come out, one comes out hmm, first, second of the month. One comes out fourth, fifth, sixth of the month. Uh, get very early indications on what's happening in the month. Send an email to nore at strategusrp.com. Lou, anything else before we sign off on this segment? Uh 
well, sort of. We uh, we had a pre-interview with uh, a very interesting gal that was on CNN, Michael Schmacana's show, uh, and was also in the Wall Street Journal and was in the, the Washington Post, and she's really made a name for herself. Uh, and we're going to be doing an interview with her. She's a honor student. Um, obviously, she, uh, she is a woman. Uh, she's an, a national honor student, and uh, she's dumping the idea about college and wants to go to a trade school. So we had a pre-conversation with her, and she's going to be on probably two of the shows that we do, Manufacturing Talk Radio, and also Women and Manufacturing. Uh, she's uh, quite a gal, and um, she's got quite a statement to make. Uh, and her favorite manufacturing uh, um, uh, fun thing to do is playing with diesel trucks and diesel engines. So listen for it coming down the road. We'll have those interviews, and we'll be letting everybody know about it. Tip? Thanks, Lou. And as always, if you want to listen to any of our shows, they are at mfgtalkradio.com. We appreciate you tuning in for this particular segment with Norbert Orr, all his fascinating information, and we'll be back soon with another show on Manufacturing Talk Radio. Thanks for joining us on Manufacturing Talk Radio. You can hear our next broadcast each Tuesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time at mfgtalkradio.com. All Metals and Forge Group is an ISO 9001 AS and EN 9100 manufacturer of open die forgings and seamless rolled rings in alloy, carbon, stainless and tool steels, aluminum, copper, titanium, and nickel alloys. Visit us at steelforge.com or call 800-600-9290. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.